0: From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, you are listening to Art Waves, a monthly program about art, local artists, and spaces open to art in Mendocino County. I'm Victor Palomino, and we, Martin Dorling. we are exploring Mendocino Art Sector. In today's show, I talk with the authors of Lost and Found, a new book about assembled artists in Northern California, and Martin Dorling interviews the intern director of the Mendocino Art Center, Martin Benz. We begin the program with a conversation with Esther Siegel, Manuspes, and Brewer about their new project, Lost and Found, an art book showing the work of eight ensemble artists in Northern California.
1: Esther Siegel, I am a assemblage artist, psychotherapist, and a horseback riding instructor. Well, I'm a licensed marriage family therapist, and I work out of my home. And I have actually several businesses out of my home. I also teach horseback riding, and I use horses in psychotherapy, a non-riding program. I also used to do a lot of therapeutic riding for people with a range of disabilities, physical and mental. And I'm also an artist. Uh, We have a very big barn where we have our supplies and we do some assemb- My husband and I do assemblage art art together, as well as kind of separately. And we just recently wrote a book on local assemblage artists of Northern California.
2: Spencer Brewer. I'm a assemblage artist, as well as a composer, producer, and promoter. Some people, once upon a time, called me a creative. My whole life, so I like to create things. Uh, I was with, with music for many years. Made a lot of records. And then started some concert series and festivals, bringing music to the community. I started Sundays in the Park in Ukiah, ran that for 25 years, and a bunch of other ones, professional pianist concert and others. And during this time, I have always been a composer and or producer of other albums, doing a whole lot of records in the recording studio for other people, trying to help them uh, bring their music to fruition in, the, in various formats that they would bring to the studio itself. And uh, throughout all this, I continually were either messing around with weird, desperate ar- objects to make them into, let's say, sound sculptures mm-hmm. or a musical mobile at one time in early times. And then when uh, the economy crashed in eight oh nine, 9 I closed several businesses in the music business and got into the wine business. And at that point, the whole shop moved out here to the barn, and then we started building uh, these assemblage arts and getting more and more into it over the years. So through all that, I've been a piano technician for 45 years, worked on probably over 20,000 pianos. So what that did was give us a lot of tools and the ability to work with all kinds of objects in the barn, so it really uh, assisted or helped
0: the sculptures that uh, we put together. Tell me a little bit about, like, where the idea come from.
1: I get a lot of inspiration from other people's ideas, looking at ideas and then thinking how I might be able to do it with what we have. And so we've collected the books on assemblage that we could find, and there are very few of them compared to painting, sculpturing, fabric work, and stuff like that.
2: Just a handful over the whole country. They're more on how-to and crafts than there are the actual books.
1: So we were actually toying with the idea of starting a magazine. I'm really glad we didn't do that.
0: How long ago was it?
1: It was probably about four years ago, four or five years ago. And I don't know, at one point, I just said to Spencer, why don't we write a book? And he, he wasn't that keen on the idea. And I said, I mean, there's no reason why we can't do it, right? We've never written a book. I had no idea what it took to make a book, but we wanted to make a book about local artists because, or we were lacking in a sense of community of other artists who are work in the similar medium. And so the book gave us opportunity to, to look for seriously look for who's up here in Northern California, and this was during COVID, so it was all online, not going to studios or or galleries. And meeting people through Zoom to see if they could be part of the community and the community of the book. And we found a great group of people. few of them we already knew up here. And some of them we found out were fans of each other's but had never met. So that's how it started. It's just an idea and why not. And we delved into it. We got a consultant on the coast, Cypress Press.
2: And Larry Wagner, who had mm-hmm. done a lot of books on the coast as well. He's
1: a photographer. He's
2: a photographer and he helped lead us through the process as well as Cynthia from Cypress Press, who they're basically an incubator company of all kinds of people who are authors and are editors wanting to get their books out.
1: Yeah, so this has been a three year process all during COVID. We wrote uh email to the artists that we we thought their work was really cool and uh, and different enough that it would be interesting for everyone else, and they all said they would be interested in being in a book, and then we did a Zoom meeting uh, to see if we could, um, if our personalities would work well together, and it all worked really well. Then at some point, uh, besides them sending us photographs and stuff, they all came up here to meet with the photographer, with Larry, and
2: It was a fantastic day. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody got along. Everybody was interested in each other's art because each one was – it's just different. You're looking at different ways within a a similar medium. And then we also put out probably dozens or hundreds of objects on tables out at the barn that they could all pick through and take home to make other art with. Then we shared a meal, and then we all got on camera in the studio here and asked, what is your inspiration? How did you get into this? So that we all have that down that we end up turning into more information in the back of the book, distilling that information down. So it was really a, a kumbaya day for everybody. It was a good day. Mm-hmm. And we we're also really lucky we did this then because one of the artists within probably six months uh, passed away. So he got to see the first iteration of the book. So all the artists got one copy of a first copy. And then everybody got to beat it up and do the edits, la, la, la. And then we got another editor involved, designer, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then she started running with that design and all the changes that had to come about. And there was two years of changes. So it was a very collaborative
0: effort.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah,
2: I mean, Esther and I drove, drove the machine, meaning that we, we would collect all of the data that was good, bad, or ugly, And then work it through on our end. Then work with either Larry or Chelsea up in Oregon or Karen. And then go back to the artist. Then come back. And then go back to the artist. Then come back and go back to the artist. Then give it to editors. And they change it. Then go back to the artist. Then go back to the designer. Then have the editors look at it again. I mean, it just kept going around and around. I can't count how many times that we've had eyeballs in this thing to try to get it to this stage.
1: And, you know, the good news is that we didn't put any time frame on it. So we didn't experience the kind of pressure probably a lot of other of art, uh, book artists or artists do or authors do yeah. in terms of having a deadline. And so we were doing it at a leisurely pace. And you know, we wanted it to be beautiful just like the art. And so that was our our kind of our lens we were seeing it through. So not having the pressure gave us time to rethink things. Is this picture big enough? let's have Larry redo this photo because it's a little blurry or something. You know, it wasn't... Qu- we wanted it to be a super high quality.
0: Yeah, and it is. I mean, the final product is is, is beautiful. Thank the, you. The first time when I, I saw the book at the Medium Gallery when they were having their Friday...
1: First Friday. First
0: Friday walk. And yeah, I was just like, what is this? You know, it's <laughs> like, it, it should be on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, I guess it was also a good time in... For yeah. you to be up in a pandemic, no, in, you, in a way, when a lot of people were kind of like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know what to, to do. do," I don't mm-hmm. with all this time we're inside. You guys had a project.
1: That's right, we had a project, and we enjoyed we enjoyed the work, the the art, and we enjoyed communicating with the artists. So it was it was a fun project to do during a pandemic, yeah. in a way.
2: And we've been lucky after we've gotten this, that we've already done this pressing, and now we've just ordered a second pressing because they we've had a good reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to get it in a number of places around the county. We have Partners Gallery on, in Mendocino, Edgewater Gallery in Fort Bragg.
1: The bookstore in Mendocino.
2: Gallery Bookstore yeah. in Mendocino, the Mendocino Book Company in Ukiah, Medium Art Gallery in Ukiah we've got the willitt center for the arts uh has got it
1: and grace hudson and museum grace hudson
2: has got it new right and it's it's everybody it's been well received and copies are going and it's just this hopefully this is just the beginning cuz now we're trying to work to get it distributed nationwide
0: what things did you discover from the artists when you were like thinking about them and getting to meet them what 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 things did kind of like You were surprised to discover from there in their
2: process? It's it's similar to musicians. There's no two the same. Being a producer of a lot of people's music over the years, I learned it's more about listening to what they have to say instead of what my interpretation of what they have to say is. And so having the door open of listening to how they operate within their art, how they'd like to see their presentation, how they'd like to be uh, presented in the book, That's one thing that you'd notice in the lost and found book is that each artist section, they got to choose how they wanted it presented. In other words, do you want to talk about that piece? Are you going to talk about the story behind it? Or you're not going to talk about it? One artist said, I want black behind all my pictures. Okay. Another one said, well, I want to, I want to have all, all the titles and what's inside of each one. And I don't want to talk about anything else. Okay. So that's it's more about being open and available to be creative so the book itself as you said up front is it's an assemblage piece unto itself because all the artists had their say
1: inside of it some artists just like musicians that's their whole livelihood is um surviving making money it's their career and others like myself and spencer we have other things we also do so we're certainly not full-time. And so the lifestyle of the people who are full-time is different than the lifestyle of those who are not. And it was one of the things we did after we had the meet, the zoom meeting, and we we start got things going. We wanted to physically visit each one of their studios and meet them. So we went, drove all the way all Sebastopol and the Bay Area. And Compshi and we got to see people in their, either their homes um, or their studios, studio home slash home, and meet them in person and spend a couple hours, and they got to meet us, of course, and, you know, who are these people? Yeah. <laughs> Other than a Zoom meeting and, and a lot of emails, they didn't know us, and they were trusting us. We
2: took pictures in each one of their studios to document what was going on, so it was exactly what you said. Very personal. Very yes, personal.
1: well, we developed a relationship with them. And I think the, I think an undertone, maybe because I'm in the the business of relationships is, is that we created a great relationship with each other. And as you look in the book, the pieces in some ways have relationships to each other and to all the objects in the pieces have a relationship to the whole. But yeah, it was, it was really great looking at their art online initially and then meeting them and oh that's the person you know how we make preconceive ideas and and just that everybody was so open and interested in each other's work too they all supported each other's work and they're all very different and they they work differently and their studios are differently One guy had a studio that was the size of almost a large bathroom and we have a studio that's the size of... almost a full house and he the the guy with the small studio he was putting out these gorgeous things it was hard to believe that was coming out of this small little space and he was very organized and knew exactly what he he knew
2: exactly where everything was it it was
1: also cool as some as we have our own studio we have our own level of organization how everybody else organized their stuff and we got some ideas from some of them and of course people every time we went people would give us objects or we would give them objects <laughs> and that's, then, that's
0: what i was gonna ask because this is is found objects and it's creating it's all found artists, found artists from yes. it's creating artists and like giving life to something like a second life to right something. A second
1: life or and a third a, or fourth yeah
0: and every once in a while one of the artists one or two
2: of them would say hey I'm in the middle of this do you have a blank have something that's like this uh-huh. we'll, or they'll come up here so i'm working on this one thing we have this one woman's sp- come up here a couple times and she just spends hours and cr- gets boxes full of stuff and takes it back because she's got a, a consignment piece she's working on or she's in the middle of something mm-hmm. that she doesn't know where it's going to go and all of a sudden oh that's it that's what i've been looking for mm-hmm. and we're totally willing to share because
0: we have a a lot of abundance.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> yeah. And that, that
0: happens. Like I, I did some found objects art at uh-huh. some time. when I oh, was good. in North Carolina. I had a bigger studio, so I have like a the garage in my house. Yes. So I but I was collecting a lot of things and yes. I had friends who work in construction. They were like, Oh we have this leftover That's tile or right. we have right. this leftover paint.
1: There's something about collecting that I think all the Assemblage artists um, enjoy. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful that you don't go into the hoarding it's over the line. Yeah. And we periodically go through our stuff and and um, actually throw some things away that just we thought were going to be worth something we were interested in, but now we're in a different direction. Um, all the artists get their objects from similar places, you know, garage sales, mm-hmm. flea markets, Thrift shops, estate sales, mm-hmm. and then also people give them stuff. So that's happening to us. We have stuff that's left on our front porch. Uh, there was an accordion, I think, at the Three end of the driveway. Three accordions at the
2: end of the driveway one day with no name. Who left and it
1: there? <laughs> sometimes, you know, our barn is open, so sometimes people drop stuff up. Yeah. And other people are having the same ex who do this art have the same experience. For a while there, when we were collecting, we would ask people to give us unusual shaped things um, for our birthdays Mm. or Christmas. And so we were collecting and and now I'm, I'm not going into thrift shops anymore or looking for stuff because we have so much stuff. I feel like there's a saturation point I don't want to go over. But then Spencer comes back from a garage sale and brings something really cool. And it's like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you drive and do like a double takes? It's like, oh, look at that. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah I, I cruise not very
2: often anymore. It's like she says, we have a lot. A lot of stuff. Yeah, but all of a sudden they're, ooh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Then I got to bring it home. Uh, I love what uh, Larry Fuente, who's an uh, amazing artist on the coast, he's in the book. And he called the hoarding thing not the ho- He said, Well, I'm not a hoarder. I'm a New World hoarder. A New World hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like how he turned it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there are eight There's artists? eight artists, yes. Total. And mm-hmm. uh, two in San Francisco, one in Grayton, one was in Sonoma, and she moved to the uh, south. And there were three in this county in Mendocino. And we looked far. Besides ourselves. Yeah, we went to Humboldt. We looked in Lake, and we looked at shows and galleries online. We went back to three or four years of shows online to see what was out there. And we looked at a lot of artists. And then we both had to agree. Some of them I said I'd like. And she says, nope. And there were two or three. She said, oh, I really want this. I says, nope. So we both had to agree before we would make
0: the call. That's what I was gonna ask. How, how was the process of selecting?
1: Generally, it was pretty easy on the whole. One of the things, the sticking points, was Spencer wanted a larger book size, and I am a small person, and I have some big books, and you know, really tabletop books, and they're beautiful, but they're they're hard to store, and I didn't want something that was not practical. I think he ended up coming to my side on that one. But there were plenty of times where I just, you know, you have to let things go or you take a stand. (laughs) And with the artists, yeah, there were some that we didn't agree on. And also the number of people. I don't remember who wanted more, but what I like about this, the book is that it's like going to an art gallery of each person's Mm -hmm. art. The artist gets one to two pages a picture of them, and one or two pictures of their art, and then there's another artist and another artist. We wanted more depth, and as we know, we make different kinds of art, and our assemblage art is not all the same. So we wanted to see to to be able to sh- showcase uh, the variety of work that a, one person does.
2: It's a real showcase of each particular artist.
0: Yeah, and the presentation is so good that you you actually feel like you're in presence with the art, you know, it's right. like it's very, the visuals are, are very rich in this book.
1: Thank you. It is it is hard to um, to get the viewer to experience this kind of art because it's three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I the pictures are great and everything, but ultimately, everybody who sees the stuff in person, the art in person, is more wowed it's usually
0: a wow experience because there's so much detail yes and the
1: dimension adds to the beauty and the wonder of the art piece Mm. you know um, two-dimensional art pieces uh, photograph well and you feel like you kind of get what that art is but three-dimensional art um, it's really more of an experience
2: that's why in some of the pieces we'll have two, sometimes three shots of the same piece because each section dimension is very different on it. I mean, there's 330 photographs in here, 206 pages. And that's, the, it, you know, some of the artists said, well, I'd like this one when we would, we'd have to agree with them on that. Most artists had all the way in, but ultimately we had the final say on it. It was rare that we all didn't agree on it, but it had to present well. The photo had to be good. Et cetera, et cetera. And at what
0: point you started
2: working with the photographer? The thing is, is on this, that we did not have one photographer for this. We relied first on the artist's collections of what they had already had photographed. And then um, if there was a piece we really liked and it wasn't that great, we then sent it to Larry, see what he could do in Photoshop to the photo. And then if that didn't work or it didn't come up to snuff, if they knew where the piece was still, because a lot of it's been sold. And if they knew where the piece was, then we would make sure that that piece got photographed in that location. Or in some cases, Larry would go to that artist's house, wherever they lived, and photograph something there. Or I would go pick it up from somebody's house and go to a studio. Uh, We did some with Larry. We did some with Tom Lydon. We did a few here. So there's not one photographer throughout the book. I mean, some of Larry Fuente's pieces in the National Geographic that he was in were from the 70s when he had an issue in National Geographic on him, which were fantastic photos, but we had to find the originals to be able to get that. So there was some definitely deep diving Mm -hmm. on some people's parts to find some of these photos.
1: So this is the piece that's on the front cover. So we're looking at a a model horse that is covered with um, coins and chains and jewelry and buttons. And it's got a large key for the tail and a French horn uh, for the rider. And it's sitting on an old-fashioned waffle iron, which is sitting on rower skates, vintage rower skates, and these are, um, on the sides are drawer poles. This one has a little bit of a um, It's like hidden... an
2: inkwell, a solid brass inkwell. Uh, in the very middle under the horse is an old uh, air filter from a combustion engine. So, but it actually fits perfectly well. I mean, it sets the horse up that way.
1: So, it, you know, you can look at it from all different angles, and you'll see all different shapes and um, designs and the personality of the horse looks different from different angles but the photograph on the cover is one side one dimensional
2: now, the one thing about so these they, pieces a lot of times is that we'll get the inspiration we'll put together what we think mm-hmm. then i sit for quite some time in some cases staring at it because i gotta figure out how to put it together mm-hmm. now i gotta figure out how's it gonna stick not just how's it going to be there and not move for a long period of time? And there have been some cases I look, I have looked at maybe a handful for half a day or two days before I start executing because there's got to be seven or eight or nine processes to get that end piece there, but i got to start it way back with other pieces that are going to hold it together.
1: Yes, I would say Spencer is the uh, how-do-I-put-this-together kind of guy. I always think that I can't figure out how this how these three little tiny feet of the horses are going to stay on this waffle iron. And he does the staring, the looking, the thinking about, and figures out bolts and dowels and all kinds of stuff that I'm not mechanically minded. So it's all a uh, mystery to me. But I am learning how to use a sander and Dremel and drill press and a hand drill, which I and growing up, not having ever touched a tool, I'm not as comfortable in it, with it. He's very comfortable. And over time, I'm getting more comfortable. But, it, you know, that's a stuff that if you don't learn. If you don't learn in childhood, uh, this adult minds tend to be a little bit cautious or not sure. Like, I'm real comfortable in the kitchen with all the equipment and how to cook and bake and Spencer is new to that so you know he's careful follows directions asks me questions you know
2: I love to cook but I'm not a creative cook mm-hmm. so I'll cook a lot but she's creative she'll look in the refrigerator goes and immediately know what she's going to do
1: which is kind of what he does with the art with objects I, sometimes I really struggle with getting a piece started and going through it I often ask him for what do you think and this is how we also work collaboratively. Throughout the process, we check in with each other, and what do you, we ask? What do you think? And you know, one of us might pick up another piece and put it down there, and oh yeah, that's perfect. Or no, I don't like that. And do you work
2: together. At well, the we same time in the studio. Every once in a while, we're out there together. Like she says, she'll be working on a piece, and I'm working on mine. And she's had been out there for hours or days, and all of a sudden, I'll just think, oh, that would be cool here, and I'll just place it on it. Or she'll put it on one of mine, and then we'll, the next time the other person comes in, we'll know it somebody put something there, meaning one of us, and we're going to go, oh, I really like that, or no, nah, that doesn't work. And the thing about it is we have full permission of saying, no, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. because there can't be any ego about, no, I think you should have that here. Too. Yeah. that yeah. We, just,
0: we just don't do that. Do you think you applied that in the process of the book with, uh, we, with yourself together? Most of the time.
2: We had we definitely had some moments of disagreement on decisions in here i mean come on it's it's, it's 3 years of decisions. Yeah but
1: it it didn't pull you know it wasn't didn't cause any damage no no <laughs> there's
3: no damage i mean
1: i think the goal you know having a similar goal mm-hmm. and without the pressure and helped a lot in kind of the ease of putting the book together i guess and something that we could really be proud of. And I think we, we really did that.
2: Yeah, I think we also, having the help of Cynthia, she helped a great deal because we did have technical questions. We, we didn't even know what the language was. And I think from doing all the producing of concerts and then all the albums helped me just because I knew how to produce stuff you know, take stuff to fruition. So that helped. But if we didn't have these other experts around us that we depended on, it would not have turned out like this by any stretch of the means because we just didn't know the landscape.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many choices like what weight paper, what type of paper, the binding, that little thing at the top with the sewing, sewing thing. That's There's a name for that. The thickness of the cover. The cardboard. Of course, if, um, and we found out that the cardboard is at a shortage mostly because of Amazon using it for their um, boxes. There's,
2: there's a paper shortage. So we were put nine months behind schedule waiting just for paper.
1: Yeah. Wow. And and then, you know, we were having the shortage during COVID. So there's glue that, you know, gets shipped from wherever and that was on hold. And yeah. so there's all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, ideas about the font and the right size, you know, we're a little, we're older people. So, you know, we kind of like bigger. But I look in some of these books, some of them have tiny little words for their titles, and others don't. So we got to make a lot of artistic choices that uh, we, we just were winging it.
0: Did you think because you mentioned that some of the artists knew each other, but no, personally and uh do you think you have created kind of like a network of-
2: well, with these guys yeah we just we just had a show in san francisco at the arc arc gallery and all but two artists showed up and it was like old home week they loved being with each other they loved hanging out in fact they would just glom together and talk and jam on what they were doing and it was a lot of fun so the 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 community the network of the artists in this book feel very comfortable with each other, mm-hmm. very
0: comfortable. How is was their, their reaction from the artists seeing their, their the final process, the, the work? Uh, 150%. They
2: loved yeah. it. Loved. They loved it's it. way beyond anybody's expectations. What I think is kind of fun is the first one, we had a printing house that makes books out of weddings. Mm-hmm. You know, for you, you, you buy 10, you buy 20. You know, they're very, very expensive. So we did that as a first draft so everybody could see it and then they could beat it up. So that's in their mind what this thing's going to be. And we keep saying, no, 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 we're changing it. No, we got another, you know, it's going to go to the next step. No, we have other ideas. And they keep having this experience of this one book for about a year to a year and a half finally this thing gets in their hands and everybody to a person who's just like oh good wow well we had a, a, des-
1: a you know a, a designer that really took it to another level just another level changed the size of the font there was just lots of things that were changed it so much that it was like a more it's actually the book's kind of like a piece of art itself Right. and before it was just you know it was just. A, a book. It, it was a, a, a very nice
2: book with pictures. Yeah. Larry, did his, Larry did as great a job as he could. He took it as far as he could. And we could not have done the second or third reiteration of this if Larry had not done that. So everybody had their stamp as far as they could take it. You know, so we, we, wanna, we honor everybody along the process because they all, they all contributed in the way they could.
1: And, you know, we also just want to say we didn't have any emotional ups and downs with the artists. And really not with each other. But, you know, these people that... Artists, w- sensitive people. Or people are emotional sensitive people. What am I talking about? But...
0: But artists in particular. Yeah, and especially they what, spend... You spend a lot of time in the studio by yourself. Yes. Working and, and with found objects. Just like focusing and just creating something. And getting out of that shelf. And like being put together That's with a group right. of people. Well, some of the artists were... And without conflict. Yes, right. Yeah, some None.
1: Of,
2: some of the artists were very 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 detailed on what they wanted to see happen so that was a that was a whole lot more back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. that one then a couple other ones but oh it looks good I'm fine mm-hmm. you know and just let it go and then some would barely weigh in and there was one or two that weighed in on everything so it, it was we were we had to be malleable in dealing with each one which then honors their process because yeah. it's their art
1: we didn't particularly want the the book to be our, our particular way. We wanted the artist to dictate their section in the book and um I think it it does it shows who they are and it's a manifestation but again, going back to we we all got along and and there weren't any conflicts, mm-hmm. which was really nice with a group of people that yeah. didn't even some of them didn't even know each other
0: and for you. When you have the final product, now that the book is out, it's in it's in different places where people can find it. How do you feel? How do you feel now that the, you're in this part of the process?
1: Um, I feel uh, I feel really uh, joyful and gratitude. I, I just feel very proud and kind of in some disbelief, like wow, you know that was that's our book, and the next step is. Selling it, getting it in people's hands. Cynthia's been shopping it to some publishers, and there is one that might be interested, and that might be that will be another journey for us. At this point, we're not doing Amazon. You know, we found you know Amazon make does a lot of books um, on demand, so whoever orders the book, they actually print it up there. So there's no inventory. You don't have to spend the money ahead of, up front. But an art book like this, we wouldn't want them to do it because of the quality of the photography and the paper and all that. So we're we're just kind of looking to see what the next step is around getting a publisher.
2: Uh, I'm proud of it, you know, like she says, and um, it it came out this within a week or two of my next album, and so it was sort of it not planned. And also a book of the transcriptions of the album. So there, it was a little bit of a overwhelm for me mm-hmm. for like a month or two because as much as everything's showing up at the door at the exact same time, you then have to go to the next step with it. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to finish it. Now the next thing is getting it out there. Yeah. And then the next thing is not only getting it out there, then there's marketing. So now we're discussing if we were going to pick one book show next year in the United States, which one would it be that we would have a booth at? Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go look at that next step, and have and Cynthia, of course, will help us on that one. Because if we are going to get any type of a national footprint, we have to walk the talk, and people have got to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. And us sitting here in Redwood Valley is pretty hard to get that done.
1: Another purpose, byproduct of the book, is that it's to inspire other people. Right. So it's not just a community, it's not just for people to get to know the art but to inspire them people have said to us wow I feel inspired to do something and that's like oh you can't make that happen it's just it, it's gorgeous it's beautiful that it, and so when I hear that I, I get particularly moved and feel like the book is doing the right thing
0: do you have a presence online where people can see the book or order? Yeah, the book? you can uh, basically
2: other than the galleries, you can go to Lost and Found. You spell it out Lost and Found dot Art, and there's a there's stuff on each artist there, and you can order the book online, or you can go to the galleries themselves. Uh, and so the website's very easy to access. We're shipping them all over the, the country right now uh, for Christmas and mm-hmm. holiday presents. So. They've been ordering it through the website, Lost and Found Art. Anything else you want to add before we end? I appreciate you coming here and doing this and helping, basically continuing the conversation in Mendocino about the community of Mendocino and what's happening here. Uh, we are very blessed to have been up here for decades. And we feel uh, and we have a wonderful community here. And KZyx is is, is in a plug but KZOX is Mendocino community mm-hmm. and um, you doing this right here just once again furthers that whole conversation.
1: We realized that um, nobody has written a book about regional art and that's a unique niche that we didn't realize we were getting into. It just made sense to us because we didn't we wanted to know our local community and if you look at you know, a lot of kinds of books of different subjects, you don't generally see regional stuff. I know that we do have some books art um, for Mendocino County artists that are gorgeous and beautiful. But the region of Northern California is a long region. And mm-hmm. so that puts us in a special place. And we're, and it probably is going to be a marketing topic that we see how that how that plays out. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to mention that
2: it, yeah. it can go for or against us. We had some publishers that said, "Oh, we don't do anything regional.
3: Mm-hmm. Everything's
2: got to be national mm-hmm. or on a subject." Mm-hmm. And then the, then the other ones, the other ones, kind of intrigued. Oh, look at there. There's a there's a postage stamp here of this. This is kind of interesting. Exactly. So we don't,
0: we don't know yet how that's gonna play out. That'll be another part of the journey. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Our Waves. Next, Martin Dörling interviewed the Interdirector of Mendocino Art Center, Martin Baines.
4: The thing that really got me sold on it is that I worked with Lucien Block uh, in, in Maine and she worked with uh, Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. And Lucien had an affiliation here with the art center way back in the 60s and 70s and so when i saw her name there i thought this is really interesting you know not to mention it's in mendocino it's really kind of down-to-earth nutty you know crazy kind of art place and that kind of intrigued me too uh, we had worked in maine uh, in Skowhegan. i would do an artist residency at Skowhegan art center and they were there, Lucian Block and her husband Stephen Demitrov. And Lucian was the um, the colorist for Diego Rivera. She was the one who mixed the colors for all the frescoes that he did. And they worked on the uh, frescoes, you know, in New York and and the ones in Mexico City and the ones in San Francisco. And her husband Stephen Demitrov was the plasterer. He was the one who did the plaster work for uh, Diego. And then we all took a trip down to San Francisco when we got back from, you know, Maine and looked at all the work they had done. And it was really, you know, it was really heartening and impressive. So when I saw that connection, I thought, you know, there's something to this, you know, and this place has been here for so long, you know, that it has this interesting history in in modernism in, in California, too.
3: Martin Betts has a master's degree in ceramics and also studied fresco painting, film, video and experimental media. He served as director and curator in several museums in California and Hawaii and worked as a consultant with his wife, promoting artists of color. It was a long and winding road that led him to the Mendocino Arts Center. Betts arrived about a year ago after being hired as the director of arts and education, but he recently became the interim director.
4: When this came up for the Arts Center, it just seemed kind of intriguing, so I just kind of jumped on it without knowing you know what uh, what we were up against here. Um, what
3: are we up against here? Well,
4: we're up against a lot of things here. We're up against a huge cultural shift in the community and the demographics, you know, of Mendocino. Um, a lot of the people that originally were part of the art center are aging out of it. And the new, um, what would you say, the, the up-and-coming up youth or or wouldn't even be youth, you know, it would be people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, right? You know, they don't live here anymore. They can't afford to live here, you know. And so that whole art group is not here. And so what what does the Art Center do? You know, big questions we've been asking ourselves, you know, like how do we focus on the community when that community is no longer here or that traditionally has been the community for the Art Center? You know, and we do bring a lot of people in from the outside that come here to enjoy taking classes here and enjoy the beautiful mendocino coast in the area and but you know the community is a different now you know and so that's what we're working on currently is how to address that situation mm-hmm. i mean that's just the nuts and bolts of of running the art center mm-hmm. yeah
3: well and you're part of a whole myriad of cultural institutions that we're guided or were even birthed by baby
4: boomers. Yeah, and I mean, that's across the board. I mean, I think that's the music festival, the art, you know, the film festival, everyone. I mean, I think we're all in the same boat. K Z Y X. Yeah, yeah. These are the big questions we're asking ourselves. I mean, the beauty of the art center is it still has a connection to to the next generation through our ceramics program and our artist in residency program. We bring in people from all over the United States to have residency here for seven months, right? And they're typically young people, and they bring a whole different experience and vibrancy to it. And a lot of them end up staying here. It's amazing, you know. we got the Cider Creek Collective down here, has a lot of our alumni working there and being part of that, you know. And then they just end up in the community. You know, so they are the ones that um, bring that vitality back to the art center in a lot of ways. What's the artist in Retreat? What is that? The artist in Retreat is a program for professional artists. They can come to the Art Center and um, be in retreat and just focus on yourself and on your work. So we provide them with a place to stay in a studio. What I've seen is a lot of them come again and again because it's just such a, a cleansing experience. I mean, what better experience to have is, you know, take a month out of your life and just focus on your art. Mm -hmm. You know, don't work and just come up here and, you know, eat and art, you know, kind of thing.
3: Be in the beauty.
4: Be in the beauty and also to be around, uh, you know, the young people that are here uh, as artists in residence, which is a different thing. You know, because they get get juried in, you know, basically by everyone here. Mm -hmm.
3: So the Art Center started in 1959 just by a couple
4: I mean, who knows what the real story is, you know, why they decided to do that. But my feeling is, you know, it was Bill Zaka and his wife and and their friends. They were all working at at the Presidio as an art. They were teaching art at the Presidio. So I don't know what that program exactly was back then. But, um, you know, my guess would be that that wasn't working out very well for them for some reason. You know, we have a lot of theories on that, but we don't know, really. You know, and I think they wanted to get away. You know, in the late 50s, things were changing. and then I mean, one of the biggest cultural shifts, I think, in the society was in the late 1950s going into the 60s. And, you know, I mean, really radical, right? So people really thought, you know, let's get out of here and go do our own thing, right? And so I think that's what their motivation was. And then they got lucky and found this place, bought it for a deal. You know, a lot of artists started moving up here. And then the whole Back to the Land movement in the early 60s, right? I mean, that group really created what was going on here. You know, and that's the group that's kind of aging out of the whole thing. You know, you talk to those folks, they're all, you know, extremely culturally aware. You know, a lot of them are from New York, you know, a lot of them have, you know, great backgrounds and, you know, families that appreciated arts and culture and all this stuff. And so they kind of really also supported this because it brought to them what they needed, you know, spiritually and culturally. You know, in a a place where you didn't have that, probably, Mm -hmm. originally. You know, that attitude, I think.
3: Well, that brings up to me the whole question of culture in a rural place.
4: You know, it has a lot of challenges because, you know, marks are left, right? Like, there's marks left here from from Bill Zaka and the folks that made made this happen because there's a lot of arts people around, right? And it's, it's, it, even if they're not here anymore, it's sort of ingrained in what's going on, you know. But then it meets, you know, the basic survival of living in a rural environment, which those two things sometimes don't go together as well, you know. You know, and um, you don't have, you know, it's a different kind of approach, you know, to art. It's not... It's not like you're in l a and you're talking on this level about art and blah 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 and having those kind of conversations as much you know we we're fortunate here because the artists and residents are here and and they have those kind of conversations, but I think um generally the folks that are artists who are here you know are are much more um involved in the environment, much more involved in you know that kind of sustainable living attitude you know uh and farming and some of these other things that are super interesting that they mix. You know, like, you know, the culture of art and farming and sustainable living and living off the grid, you know. Artists in L.A., they don't talk about living off the grid. I mean, what are you talking about, you know? You got to have all this stuff to make your stuff, right? And so that's kind of been interesting for me. It's like, you know, it's so much more um, connected to, to the land and the earth and, you know, to your hands in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's unique, you know.
3: Would you say it's
4: more practical, or yeah, more practical, just from a survival standpoint, in a way too.
3: Yeah. You
4: know, like you can't just go down you can't just go run to the hardware store here, like down, you know, and get something. You know, these guys that work here, they gotta like go get it, or they gotta have it, or make it. I mean, everybody's like, "Where's the art store?" Well, you know, it's <laughs> San Francisco's <is> that way. <laughs> you know, you have four hours, or you know, you got to order it, you know, <laughs> or something.
3: What are the uh, pluses? for art or for culture in a,
4: in a rural area. I think area. the plus is the real plus is that you get a chance to slow down and really think about what you're doing.
3: Well, tell me about some of the new stuff that's going on here, some of your initiatives.
4: Well, I think, um, well, I you know, one of the things that happened here, I started here as an arts, arts, the arts and education director. And now, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've sort of taken over the role of interim director. We're changing sort of the model of the way things are working here. And so I'm um, just hitting the you know, ground running with that sort of thing. So th- the conversation has changed from just the programming and the arts to the overall organization. But I think one of the most exciting things that we've been working on in the last year has been the ceramics program and the wood firing. You know, there's um, four, I think it's four other wood firing uh, sort of collectives in the, in the area. Um, there's the Cider Creek Collective in Albion, and, there, and there's another um, big wood firing kiln up the hill there in Albion. And there's us; we do wood firing here, and it's unique to the coast, really, because it's one of the only places you can actually do that, right? Oh, yeah, and we got wood. Right? Got
3: wood, and it's not, it's never fire season right. quite
4: here. Right, right here on this property, it's not fire season ever, right? In Albion, they do have a, a moratorium at certain times of the year. I think that they can't do it. But, um, so that's what you're seeing out in the gallery right now, is you're seeing the work of all those folks that are working in that area. You know, the wood firing ceramics, which uh-huh. is a totally unique way of making art.
3: Well, didn't you used to have a casting place? Yeah, and that-
4: we're thinking of bringing it back, it's still here. Yeah, the crucible is still in the ground, all the equipment's still here. We have a blacksmith shop too, and now we have one of our Rajan residents who was interested in making that a reality again. Mm-hmm. All the tools are there. Everything's there. You know, it just takes the people to come in and kind of own it and go with it, you know, and resurrect it. We are in the process right now of really reevaluating how we support the community. We've developed a um, a children's, a youth art program, a very substantial youth art program, that is all the way from your tiny tots all the way up to 15 years old. We have art classes for everyone. So go to our website and check it out because, uh, you know, we need you, you know, to be part of it. So we're offering that to the community um, and we're offering, we have some interesting free classes that we're doing too that are supported by the community foundation. So I would look at the website to see what those are all about. They fill within 24 hours. So, you know, it's, it's a hard to get in, but um, we're going to keep doing that, I think. Um, and... Our one of our biggest focus um, next year will be obviously to reorganize the organization so it's more sustainable.
3: Mm-hmm. Does That mean changing staff
4: around. Yeah, changing staff around, changing the model around, looking at the business plan. We're working on a strategic plan um, so that we can ensure that we're going to be here. You know, and and you know just think about the reason why we exist here. You know. Um, or, or you know, is it really part of the community that needs to be here still is a big question, you know. Do we reinvent this for something else that's up and coming, mm. you know? Like um, what? We don't know that, you know. <laughs> we know that um, there's changes in the demographics, as we talked about, right? We know that um, ceramics is really big in this region, right? So we need to support that. You know, we're talking about having, a, a, you know, a wood-firing... Um, sort of convention thing happening in 2024 on a more national scale to bring people here and things like that you know and then there's questions about you know which of our programs are you know textile the textile uh thing in the art world is really big right now you know textile has always been a big part of what happened here and it kind of died away you know so it's died away here. In the meantime, it's really big everywhere else in the art world. I mean, you know, that's kind of weird. You know, so we're, we're thinking about bringing a lot of that back. Uh-huh. You know, we started that.
3: Starting with the wool and the sheep and.
4: Not quite on that level. I think um, the textile is more. Well, art has become. You know, one of the things that is still a catch up here in in, in the world of art up here is that in the larger art world of. You know, the arts internationally or whatever, all these disciplines in art, like weaving and textile and painting and ceramics, it's all together in one. You know, and artists will be working in all those different medias and be the same artists. Like, there's not this silo thing that happens here. You know, here it's very siloed. still, you know, you're in jewelry or you're in this or you're in that, right? We got artists here right now, we got, you know, artists from New York, and, and they are, um, Involved in both screen printing, printing, jewelry, ceramics, you know, whatever. And they're doing it all, you know. And that's more what's happening out there. And that's probably what will be, that's probably the new thing that we'll be bringing to this region. Where, where you, you sort of get the opportunity to do all of it. Mm-hmm. And no one cares if you're a painter, a sculptor, or a whatever, ceramic artist. You know, I had one of the ceramic artists, she taught painting, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's sort of the new, um, the new generation of artists working all media at the same time. Yeah,
3: huh.
4: you know? because it's just a tool, you know, it doesn't end with the medium, you know, it starts with the medium, right? But that's just a tool to use to express yourself. So, you know, why not express yourself in all the different mediums?
3: Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I obviously
4: some things are technically difficult. Yeah. You know, but if you master them...
3: Go for it. Go
4: for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
3: Anything else you'd like to say about the whole thing, about the Art Center and about the future and about
4: art? I'd like to say that, you no, know, this organization has been here for a long time. You know, we're at the crossroads right now um, where everything in in our larger society is affecting us in a way. You know, demographics, finance, whatever. You know, how the youth are. Media, social media. You know. And it's interesting to be able to see how we're going to go for the next 65 years. You know, how does that work? You know. So, that's where we are right now as an art center. And that's you know, it can be scary, but it's also exciting at the same time, you know, but one of the main things that's important for us is somehow along the way here, and I don't really, you know, know the history recently, but I'm not really that interested in how this happened, but, you know, we've really kind of lost a lot of connections to the community, and I think it's part of what happens when people get, you know, older and age out, and, and, whatever political problems we've had here and mismanagement or whatever, you know, has caused over the years for the Arts Center to sort of lose its, you know, root connections. You know, we still have a big connection to the community, but it's not that give and take that there used to be, you know, and that's something that we really need to come back to. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, didn't COVID interrupt
4: it a bit? COVID interrupted a lot, but COVID also peeled back layers of, know, why people are not participating anymore and are we really relevant for them anymore, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so that's the gift of COVID. It kind of puts you in a position where are you going to make it to the next 65 or not? You know, and the organizations that have that strength and that will, will, right? And the ones that won't, don't. You know, I think the statistic was 30% of the nonprofit arts organizations are going to not be around in you know, 2024. Wow. That's a huge statistic. It sure is. A lot of more closing, you know, Santa Barbara Museum of Contemporary Art, which you would think would, it's gone. You know. oh. So, you know, and uh, so that's the big struggle right now. And at the same time, we're still doing all these great things. We're having great shows. We have a great gift store. You know, the artists in the residency are all pumped up and working hard, you know, <laughs> It's sort of a weird yin and yang that always happens, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Mm-hmm. How big is the staff?
4: Right now, uh, let's see, we've got uh, about seven people. Uh-huh. It's really small, it's 50% of what it was before COVID. Wow. You know. So, I mean, we obviously need to have more staff to make it work, but we need to have the money to do that. Right. But the people that are here now are, are really solid and are really committed. It's a great place to work. I mean, an art center in the middle of Mendocino? I mean, come on, you know? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And the board that we have is, from my... I've been doing this for 30 years. I've seen many boards, you know, um, super supportive of the organization, willing to make the changes, willing to support, you know, sometimes less than you know, out-of-the-box ideas, which is great because that's what's really needed. But we need to expand that board, right? So we've now created a, a community advisory council, and we've got about 20 people from the community that are interested in being part of that. You know, and those are all the way from you know artists to movers and shakers and you know people that are involved in the insurance business, the lodging business, and you know really the core um, group of people here in Mendocino and Fort Prague that really want to see uh, the whole area thrive. Yeah. Well,
3: arts is important. Part. Yeah, I think arts is
4: an important part of any community. Me too. You know, it's a fundamental thing that humans do. You can't discount that part of it.
3: Mm-mm.
4: I mean, there's been a lot of studies, right? But it doesn't take a study to figure out that if you have arts and culture in a community, no matter how big it is, that it helps everyone be better people, and that's kind of the bottom line. And you know, this is the vehicle for that.
3: That was Martin Betts, Interim Director of the Mendocino Arts Center. For Art Waves, I'm Marty Durlin. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Art Waves, here in KCYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting.